Star Wars 7x7 episode bonus. This is the official spoiler-filled reaction episode to The Force Awakens premiere last night. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Trisha Barr, author of Ultimate Star Wars and host of Fangirls Going Rogue. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host Alan Voivod, slightly better rested than I was when I put together the podcast for today, the regular podcast, which was pulled together between 1 and 3 a.m. in the morning as I was falling asleep at my computer trying to make sure that I didn't mess up the editing. (laughs) <laughs> took a lot longer than it normally does, but that's just because of the micro naps in between. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you do a Star Wars marathon, you know? You just <laughs> I guess I need to train better for it for next time around. But anyway, so I did not have the <laughs> the physical capability to record a spoiler-filled version of the podcast for you. So this is it. We're getting in just a little bit later in the day on Friday the 18th. So again, if I haven't said it enough already, this is spoiler-filled. So if you have not seen the movie yet, then thank you very much for downloading this and you are proceeding at your own risk because nothing is off-limits in this podcast. There will be ones that will be clearly marked non-spoiler if you want to listen to those. Like, for example, the one that dropped today, episode 532, I believe it is. Um, That one has all of your... Um, non-spoiler conversation in there. So you have no worries about listening to that one whatsoever. And yes, that was 532. So listen to that to your heart's content, no problem. In the meantime, disclaimers are handled now, I think. So let's talk about The Force Awakens. And the first thing I have to say about Force Awakens is, gosh darn it, Duracell. Really? Really, Duracell? Ugh. And also, I guess, really to Lucasfilm Licensing, to allow that spoiler to leak two month, like a month and a half early. Ooh, that's so annoying. And if you're not familiar with it, then then boy, oh boy, it's a good thing that you missed it because Duracell did this great holiday commercial. It's a really awesome commercial. And at the end of it, they have a little girl who's dressed up like Rey who you know starts using a lightsaber and force pushing uh, stormtroopers back and forth, like shoving them out by using a force. And we even had, there was somebody who, and I couldn't find the tweet in my stream, unfortunately, but somebody tweeted to us because we tweeted about it um, pretty quickly after it debuted. I think it debuted like October 30th on YouTube. And we tweeted about it pretty quickly. And somebody said to us like, hey, you know, why are you tweeting these spoilers? You got to stop doing it. And I replied back and I said, you know, like I can't, I can't even begin to imagine that something like that would be spoiled in a licensor commercial. Like that doesn't make any sense at all that anything like that would ever happen and that they probably just did something like that because um, for the commercial's sake, they, you know, the inclusivity of it, you know, they've got Ray as a major female character. So let a girl, you know, be dressed as Ray and you know, kids do imaginary play all the time. Like even if Ray wasn't a force user, like, you know, let her be a force user in the commercial because they're goofing around. Uh, but yeah, I guess on the one hand, no, you wouldn't do that with Star Wars because if you're not a force user, you're not a force user. And there's that. Blah. But, you know, it just it didn't even occur to me as a possibility in this earth. It's like, I mean, <laughs> it's like um, I, I can't even figure out what to equate it to, how ridiculous it is that 
anybody would even conceive of letting a spoiler like that get worked into a commercial that's released nearly two months before The Force Awakens. So that is the most bizarre thing of all. It's not where I expected to start this conversation, but it's what jumped into mind when I started talking here. I I just... It's insane. It would be like... (laughs) If you had a bunch of commercials <laughs> for, like, a Chick-fil-A that were tied into Citizen Kane and they were all about Rosebud or something like that. I mean, really. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I cannot believe it. All right. I'll, I'll leave it go. So, yes, that is the big spoiler. And I guess that was the one I managed to avoid about the Ray action figure that got um, put on pegs at Walmart and that everybody freaked out over. I guess she had a lightsaber with her. And... You know, it was really interesting when you think about it that uh, I don't think I saw a Finn action figure that came with a lightsaber. I only saw Finn action figures that came with um, that came with blasters. So maybe that should have been a sign to us that you know about that particular lightsaber or something. I don't know, something odd about that. But anyway, so we know now that Finn is not necessarily... Well, okay, we. Here's what we know about Finn so far. Um, we know that he was taken from his family at a very young age, which is nothing that we didn't know, but that there's some sort of either behavioral or genetic programming that they go through, all the First Order troops go through, and some of them apparently go through this multiple times because Finn acting up and running away, apparently this was not the first time he, or this was the first time he had done something like that, but the implication was is that they have people who are more problematic people who... Um, need to be behavior reprogrammed multiple times, interestingly enough. But anyway, so he... <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting choices. Uh, to turn it into a uh, sort of romantic comedy. Like, yeah, I'm in the resistance, big time resistance. Uh, <laughs> that was an element I did not see coming to The Force Awakens, is to turn it into uh, that sort of romantic comedy staple of pretending to be something that you're not just... <laughs> that. You know, a girl will hang out with you. (laughs) And it does seem like Finn has a bit of the Han Solo in him for his capacity to lie to get what he wants. And yet for him to do it in the service of something good, not necessarily in the service of something bad, but he's still willing to lie to get something, you know, make something good happen. And, oh yeah, the shield thing in sanitation. Sanitation, that's what he worked in. It's hysterical. Absolutely hysterical. Oh gosh. And speaking of sanitation... Uh, Captain Phasma, all right, I'm psyched for Gwendolyn Christie, and it seemed like the buildup of her, you know, oh, she's this real bad mamma-jamma character, and, you know, they didn't give her that in the movie, I'm sorry to say. Like, she, you know, walked around, she looked sporty, for sure, she looked like she was really gonna kick butt, and unfortunately, they did not give her that opportunity, so I hope to high heaven that episode 8 has something more serious and destructive written for her because all she did was intimidate Finn at the beginning a little bit and then ultimately get captured by Han and Chewie and Finn and uh, possibly drop down a garbage chute. I don't know. I mean, the implications for her character are such that we're going to see her again. I mean, I think Kathleen Kennedy already said that in an interview that we're going to see her in episode eight. And I think she's supposed to have something more significant. I hope it is because she definitely looks like she's going to take some people out if she gets an opportunity to do so. And I bet she's got a particular grudge against Finn and Chewie now. And, uh, my, (laughs) so let's talk about Ray since I was actually digressing away from Ray in this whole thing because that of course is the big reveal that Ray is the force user in the family and 
Yeah, I keep wanting to stray away from that because we just, well, all right, I'll stick with it <laughs> because of the Kylo Ren situation. Um, Ray, first of all, first of all, um, let's talk about that scene in the basement of Maz Kanata's castle. Here's, if you are not familiar with some of the uh, Stranger Jedi traits and whatnot, then I will hip you to what I think this is. Although I haven't seen it written anywhere yet, but I'm sure, like, I'm dead certain based on stuff I've read from, say, particularly Dark Disciple. Um, that's the novel by Christy Golden that featured Quinlan Voss, a Jedi who has a very rare Jedi trait that's called psychometry. And the gist is, is that uh, Quinlan and possibly it looks like Ray as well can touch an object and see things about its history and where it's been and what it's done. And so uh, I guess it particularly works with um, with lightsabers for um, Quinlan Voss. Like he's able to do that because there's a question of um, how his master died and who did it. And I won't ruin Dark Disciple for you, but it becomes a, a dramatic point that the thing turns around and and Count Dooku hands a certain person's lightsaber to Quinlan Voss, you know, to say, like, yeah, this person killed your mentor, and, you know, but you're not going to want to hear that, and you're not going to want to touch this lightsaber to find out for sure, but I'm putting it here anyway. Because <laughs> Dooku's evil, of course, and laughs like that. But anyway, Ray. Touching the lightsaber and having those crazy experiences when she did scream psychometry to me. And boy, oh boy, that leaves a lot. Oh gosh, so much. History. First of all, Kylo Ren and the absolute and utter destruction of whatever Jedi Academy Luke was building up. Like getting to see that. Now we know what those photos in the rain of them were. I guess he and some acolytes from the Knights of Ren uh, taking care of business at. Um, Luke's training academy. My word, that's just a, a terrible scene, a terrible scene. And additionally, there's a shot in that whole um, collage, and I've only seen the movie once so far. I'm going to see it again um, tonight, Friday at 8 p.m. So I'll get another look at it, and I'll you know be able to get past the initial like <gasps> shock of everything new, and be able to start picking up details for you. But um, her. Being able to remember as part of that psychometry touch, being able to remember being left behind on Jakku and hearing a voice saying, um, oh gosh, I can't remember what it is uh, the person said, so I'll have to, you know, <laughs> I'll have to see it again tonight and tell you. But there was somebody talking that sort of sounded um, Kylo Ren-ish, but the age difference is not is not good enough. So don't know who it was, but... You know, if if she touches Luke's lightsaber and she gets thrown back into that space, then there's every reason to think that Luke was with her on Jakku when she was being dropped off. So who dropped her off and why? And why is Luke potentially a part of the drop-off? I mean, that leaves some major unanswered questions for Ray, and it does kind of dovetail into something that I'd been saying in the run-up to the podcast, uh, to the release of The Force Awakens on the podcast, which was, how could they possibly leave a five-year-old, six-year-old kid on Jakku by herself? Like, there's absolutely no way. I mean, these, you know, people are too scavengery and predatory to be able to, you know, to deal with having a five, six-year-old girl left alone with them. I mean, she would have been torn to pieces. It's ridiculous. So somebody had to be watching over her, and it sounds like we just heard the voice of the person for the first time. And she does make me think of Anakin a little bit, 
in that she's able to pilot stuff. And yeah, this is the question that that I raised when we first saw that um, that clip that premiered at the American Music Awards, where she and uh, Finn are cranking through the desert to the shipyard and. She said, you know, like, we're trying to get one to one of those ships, like, and he yells, we need a pilot, and she says, we've got one, and he says, you, and, yeah, of course her, but what has she piloted, aside from, you know, a speeder? I mean, and that can't even be the equivalent whatsoever, uh, but the piloting the Millennium Falcon is a whole other situation, a quad jumper, whole other situation, and I, I mean, that would... That opens the door to what is it possible she could have flown considering that the whole place is more or less a junk heap, you know? Like, how is she getting opportunities to fly or to learn how to fly when there's basically nothing that really works and the few things that work are in the hands of like of thugs and uh, warlords and whatnot? So, yeah, very, uh, very strange thing. But that must mean, yeah, some Jedi quality running through that she's able to figure out the whole piloting thing. It's kind of funny that we've equated being a great pilot with being a great force user. Obviously, that's not the case with, you know, the likes of Wedge Antilles or Poe Dameron or you know, Han Solo or anything like that. No force ability whatsoever and still great pilots. But it seems like the force also happens to help out pilots in a significant fashion. All right, and let's talk about the other big reveals. First of all, I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that they gave up Kylo Ren as Han Solo's kid that quickly in the movie. Like, wow. That was fast, fast. And it makes me desperately hope that they've got some other huge secret up their sleeve. I guess I have, like, I have an original trilogy expectation set up on this where I'm hoping that there's some curveball that comes up from Ryan Johnson's Episode 8 that helps redefine not only Episode 8, but all of Episode 7 as well. I mean, that would be mind-blowing if they could pull that off, but... Let's stick to what we know. Kylo Ren being Han Solo's son. Wow, wow, wow. And what an early reveal. Just shocking. And so, of course, the question then became immediately in the movie, well, then who's the mom? But he is a Force user, so it's got to be a Force user. So probably Leia makes perfect sense. And, yeah, turns out it was. (laughs) Ta-da! And so now we know the story with them. So they were together for some time, had at least one kid, at least one. And then, yeah, what a what a sad and beautiful way to tell the story of them falling apart over the destructiveness of their son and the them each going their own ways to the things that they knew and the things that they were good at, as they said. Um, I think that was possibly one of the most beautiful story elements I had I've seen in quite a while and an unexpected depth from The Force Awakens, which was really awesome to see. Although there was an interview with J.J. Abrams, who's, and he said that Leia is not a Jedi in this movie. However, uh, she is Force-sensitive, and that, that gives her sort of additional abilities in its own right. And one of those seems to be the fact that she has some sort of Force-related connection to Han because she was able, or to Kylo, but um, more likely to Han as well as Kylo. The moment that Kylo stuck Han with that saber, she sat down and felt it. Like, that's what I'm talking about. She has definite Force sensibilities, capabilities, at least being in touch with the universe in the same way that Obi-Wan was. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the death scene. First of all, kudos. I mean, I would love to hear what you thought of the death scene in the comments. 
the show's episode at SW7X7.com. Um, the death scene, that's, like, the toughest thing to do out of any, like, screenplay stuff whatsoever. Like, writing a good death scene. And what's worse, writing a good death scene for a beloved character. Like, absolutely tough. In fact, I mean, the books of the old expanded universe struggled with that for years and years and years and years, and they had to basically destroy a whole planet with Chewie on it in order to kill Chewie. Like, they couldn't just have him die or, you know, get shot and killed or something like that. It had to be something cataclysmic that took down Chewie. This one, on the other hand, was a lot more intimate. And, you know, I swear to you, I thought that it was going to go the other way for a very long time like when Kylo first held out his saber for Han I thought oh man this is going to be really amazing and unbelievable and could you know have very interesting story implications for episode 8 but then for him to hold on to the blade for just those couple of seconds longer and to create that look on Han's face oh gosh made my blood run cold absolutely Cold, shocking, just shocking, and seeing him get impaled with that thing, oh man, impaled, like staggering back, and then that beautiful touch of reaching out and touching Adam Driver's face, just caressing his face before he fell, oh my god, oh god, I mean really, oh, I think maybe it's just, you know, being, <laughs> spending the, the whole night awake and watching Star Wars movies and not and maybe my emotional resistance is down but yeah like the eyes were not dry for that scene oh my word that was just <laughs> that was amazing I'm gonna be much better rested when I see it tonight so we'll see if I'm a little more jaded when I watch it but oh my gosh what a what a terribly beautiful scene that was and yeah I would say they gave Han Solo the send-off that he deserved and that um, and that he that Harrison Ford has been looking for. Um, not that he deserved to be killed by his own son, of course. But what I'm saying is, from you know a dramatic us, like man, like they gave him a good death and a story serving death, and Chewie just taking care of business when that happened. Like I'm glad he got a shot off at Kylo because oh man, he deserved it. And I'm very glad that Kylo did not get taken out. Uh, entirely, even though it looked for a moment like Ray had completely cleaned his clock and, and had, like, slashed him open. But, uh, no, not so much. So he will live to fight another day, and now he's scarred like Supreme Leader Snoke. So, anyway, um, yeah, good on Han for for a great death scene. And even, it's too bad that <laughs> that he and Leia were not on screen more than they were, because even the few minutes that they were were just electric, were just electric. Oh, my. All right, let's talk about our other major player, and that would be Luke. Now, I was tapped into rumors from an early point, and that, I think, like, if I was if I was disappointed with anything about the movie, I think the first thing is that... I'm disappointed that I knew as much as I did going in. And, you know, it's a function of the podcast, and that's okay. You know, that's that's life. It, it's, um, colors your opinion. And I know there's some folks who are, you know, very spoiler-friendly and will read anything, and then they go to the movie, and they go to the movie again in five weeks, and they go again, like, and they're, and they're perfectly fine with that, and it doesn't take anything away from them. I guess I'm the kind of person who maybe it does take a little bit away. But I'm also at the point where I think I'm overanalyzing Everything. And so that's the long way around of starting to tell the story about the fact that Luke's absence 
from this movie had been uh, talked about in uh, spoilers and reeks and, lo- and, and <laughs> reeks and loomers, leaks and rumors <laughs> uh, for a number of for a number of years, quite honestly, um, for a good chunk of the production of the movie. And the question had been an open one of whether is he sane, is he crazy, and uh, has he been in seclusion for, you know, five years, ten years, thirty years, and why did he go into seclusion in the first place? So those were still um, outstanding questions, along with whether, you know, has he trained any new Jedi in the past? And apparently, here's the deal, uh, I'm thinking, it sounds like ten years, it sounds like he's been gone ten years, and that... Kylo Ren is responsible for the death of everybody at the Jedi Academy that Luke had set up. Um, Kylo, along with, I guess, other Knights of Ren's, possibly, because they do look you know, all the same together. We don't yet know if he's crazy or not, and there had been some rumor that he had done something so tremendous in the Force that he got scared by his own power and shut himself away. Well, it certainly doesn't seem like that. Right now, it seems like he took the failure of being a good uncle to Kylo Ren very personally and is now, you know, stepped away from everything. But somehow, finding him has become a major piece of The Force Awakens. Like, just saying, like, we need him back for, you know, anything and everything. And very haunting, for sure, the way that Daisy Ridley found him. My goodness, like, just standing on the cliffs meditating like that. I mean... You get the feeling that he's been standing there for quite a while. But how the heck is he eating anything on that? I mean, what a beautiful planet and what a beautiful use of Skellig Michael and the uh, available Earth scenery and whatnot. But, yeah, answers a lot of questions for the practicality of what he's been doing for the last 10 years. Uh, You know, what is going on with him? And is he alone on that island? I mean, I guess the presumption is yes, he is, but... Oh man, yeah, lots of lots of unanswered questions, and we'll be pursuing all of that in the coming months. Uh, gosh, what else was I going to talk about? Oh, Finn, and, Finn, and and Kylo. Um, that was a great lightsaber duel, and yeah, Han Solo blew it. Harrison Ford blew it in the Twitter chat. His favorite moment, the saying the lightsaber battle between Ray and Kylo. Oh man, well. What are you going to do? That was actually a really awesome fight scene as well. And Ray is finding her force abilities pretty quickly. I that, That's surprising too. I mean, it took Luke a while to figure out how to get lightsabers to jump into his hand from being out of reach. And yet, you know, Ray is able to take a lightsaber away from Kylo Ren for all intents and purposes like it was out in the snow and Kylo was trying to like call it to him and it didn't work and she was able to pull it past him so yeah she's making like leaps and bounds worth of progress which is pretty interesting and awesome and yeah I gotta find out more about that I love Kylo Ren's tantrums (laughs) I love the two stormtroopers that like hear one of the tantrums going on and just turn around and walk away (laughs) don't want to be anywhere near that um I think Kylo definitely knows something about Rey um that we don't you know something that's important basically because when the functionary came to report that BB-8 was with a girl and he like you know levitated the guy and made him like fly in from a force choke into his hand for a real choke. Um, I, I just, I get the sensation that he knows exactly who Ray is. And I don't remember 
hearing the line that is in his talking doll where he says, is it true? You're just a scavenger. Like, I don't think I remember hearing that line in the movie. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I think he knows more about Ray than, than we yet know. And so maybe that's where one of our interesting little reveals is going to happen in the next movie. All right. I've ranted about this movie for about a (laughs) quarter of the length of the movie itself. Um, we're going to wrap at least this bonus episode up and come back after the break with just a few last thoughts about the Millennium Falcon for you. Hey, Rebel Rouser. If you've got a business that you need to get in front of a bunch of Star Wars fans, then I've got an idea for you. I'm looking for a sponsor to get the entire Star Wars 7x7 team over to London for Star Wars Celebration Europe next July. And we get a ton of exposure when we do Star Wars Celebration podcasts. Not just the regular episodes, but the bonus stuff, and all the in-person stuff too, not to mention all the live streaming video we do. So if that's something of interest to you, then reach out via the contact form at sw7x7.com and let's talk! All right, welcome back, and thank you for sticking with us for this bonus episode of the Star Wars 7x7 podcast, the spoiler-filled situation. And it's funny to hear all of the talk and the lead-up from J.J. Abrams and company about practical effects and all this, that, and the other. Uh, and yet, I'm sure the stuff with the Millennium Falcon, like, I don't know how you would have done that practically. Uh, particularly, particularly... Um, the scenes where Ray is just learning to fly the Falcon, and man, it's really done in an incredibly visceral fashion, wouldn't you say? I mean, like the dragging of it on the ground, like you know, I don't think they were actually like you know holding it by somebody's hand and dragging the Falcon along the ground or a model Falcon on the ground and making that be the shot. Like I'd be stunned if that were the case, but. It seems like it's more digital. And the same thing with it on Starkiller Base. Like, by the way, wow, to go in at light speed at a planet? Insane! (laughs) Insane! Insane. So good on Han for not having a lost step. Not a one in 70 years. 70 years old, and he's hitting a planet, like, coming out of light speed at the planet. Like, that is the most bad mother shut your mouth stuff from Hansel. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how you do the, uh, the Falcon crashing in the snow. Um, not CGI, you know, like, or <laughs> I don't know how you do that as a practical effect. I mean, people do it all the time, I guess, but it looks, you know, way too good for it to be, um, just practical, I think. But that's okay. There's still a ton uh, to be said for and admired for the practical effects of Revenge. Uh, <laughs> what movie am I going to say? I was going to say Revenge of the Sith. Obviously, I need to go back and get another nap to catch up. <laughs> There's been enough, you know, talk about practical effects with The Force Awakens that it's going to be a, another, you know, another landmark in the way movies are produced. I believe, and so. We'll talk more about it more about it over the weekend, and we'll also check in with some patrons of the podcast too and get their feedback as well to share with you. Until next time in our next both spoiler and separately non-spoiler podcasts, may the Force be with you, and good luck seeing The Force Awakens again and again. Chime into the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com and tell us when you're going to your second showing. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you execute Order 66, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful to you if you put a little something in the tip jar at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not the downfall of the Republic, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2015 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.